Hey, good evening everyone. Welcome to our evening Dhamma session. Where we come together and listen to me talk. People come to hear me talk because I'm a teacher. Teachers, um, it's an interesting, interesting concept, right? We live most of our lives without without someone teaching us how to live. We have help from our parents, they're our first teachers. But they don't really, you know, we don't take courses on how to be a kid. And we go to school, there we have teachers and they're teaching us something, but you know, they don't really teach us much. Most of the stuff we learn in school is indirect from our peers, from the drama of our friends and enemies and from all the trouble we get into. Teachers just give us lots of information and mess with our heads. make us think in certain ways and so on. But what we really learn is from the people, even the teachers themselves, their personalities. If they're kind and generous, we learn that. If they're mean and evil, we, we react and we respond and we, we, we are shaped by that. And then we're set out in the world and there's certainly no, nothing to prepare us for that. You don't take courses. Well, there are some home ec courses, but there's no course for life. But a religious teacher is just that. It's, we realize this, we say, hey, wait a minute. All this learning I've done, even my parents. Nobody taught me how to live. And so we go and find religion. Religion, I think, sort of designed to fill that role. Maybe not designed, but it, it's come to fulfill that role. And for many people, that's what they use religion for. People come see me so I can tell them how to live. It's not really funny, but it is kind of funny. It's quite a serious thing. It's quite an important thing. It's quite a uh, responsibility. 
I'm supposed to tell people how to live. Which would be a problem if it was just up to me because you know, I can teach you how I lived and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I'm not really a teacher. I'm not really the teacher, right? The Buddha is our teacher. The monks were all afraid when the Buddha was passing away. They said, look, none of us is the teacher. None of us is a Buddha. What are we going to do when the Buddha's gone? And the Buddha said, he said to Ananda and Mahaparinibbana said, he said, you might think that you have no teacher, which should be a, a better thought than thinking that one of them was the teacher, right? Normally when, when, when you leave your teacher, you go on and think, well, now I'm the teacher. You learn enough from your teacher and then you say, well, I'm gonna, now I'm the teacher. My teacher was a teacher and now I'm the teacher. So when the Buddha passed away, they could have just said, well, you know, we'll just make up our own stuff from now on. I will be the teacher. Or this monk or this nun will be the teacher. But these monks, in Buddhism it's not like that. In Buddhism, it was proper, it would have been proper for them. Well, not proper, but it would have been better for them. And it was expected of them that they might think, now we have no teacher, because none of us are the Buddha. They had such respect for him that of course they would think none of us can fill that role. There was one monk who tried, who thought he could, and... Uh, you know, when the Buddha, the Buddha would teach and then when he got tired he would have one of his students teach and he would lie down and listen. And this monk, when, when he, he taught for a while, then he got tired and he lay down and fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, the monks who were teaching taught, the, taught all his followers the right thing and they all went back to the Buddha. And then this monk was asleep. And then he woke up, and the only the, his his hench, his his right hand man, was lying there. He said, "Where'd all where'd all our followers go?" Oh, they went back to the Buddha. And his right hand man kicked him in the chest because they were all a bunch of rotten scoundrels. He ended up dying. Long story. I won't get into that story. But no, we don't think we're the we're the teacher after the Buddha. The Buddha said, you might think this, but don't think this. Ah, so this is not correct either. He said, yo ko ananda dhammo cha vinayo cha desito panyato I'm not sure I've got the Pali right, it's approximate. Whatever dhamma and vinaya that has been taught has been presented by me so wo sata that will be your teacher after my passing away
the Dhamma and the Vinaya will be our teacher. Which is great. We have all of this Dhamma. The Dhamma is the things we should do. We have all this Vinaya is the things we shouldn't do. It's pretty clear we've got a, we've got a handbook for life. Do this, don't do that. Pretty simple. Unfortunately, it takes up a whole bookshelf. And it's not actually all that easy to follow. So we still have teachers. We still have people we call teachers. Which is fine, which is important. I mean, in the Buddha's time, it was, it was, I mean, it's, it's important that we have different words. One, one word is sata and the other word is acharya. Acharya means someone who, who teaches. But uh, sata is like a master, is like the, the headman, the head, the headmaster, the, you know, the, Root guru, as they say in Tibetan Buddhism. The Buddha was our root guru. He was the one who gave the teachings. But as far as explaining and, and handing on the passing on the teachings, even in the Buddha's time, there were lots of monks like that. They didn't all go to the Buddha for their, for instruction. Eventually, they had to learn from other monks. And so I'm, all this, all this is from thinking about. Uh, I'm thinking about one specific teaching of the Buddha. I wanted to ask. I wanted to sort of answer the question. Uh, what does the Buddha have to say about teachers? made me think of this one teaching that's actually quite Im Im important it's nothing to do really about teachers but uh, the Buddha had two teachers the two teachers Alara and Uddaka uh, let's see Alara and Uddaka but Uddaka wasn't his teacher I don't think, wait, yes Uddaka was his teacher Alara and Uddaka. And when he was with Alara, Alara Kalama, there was another man there, apparently named Barandu, another ascetic. And so one time the Buddha went to Kapilavattu and there was nowhere for him to stay, which is interesting. He went home and they didn't have a place for him. So they said, you go and stay with, hey, can you, is it okay if you go and stay with Barandu? He was your, he was your old companion in the holy life when you lived under Alara Kalama. And so the Buddha went and stayed there and I got in a bit of an argument. Mahanama came to see them and, and 
the Buddha didn't argue with the Mahanama came in and the Buddha said Mahanama there are three kinds of teachers in the world some teacher talks about or instructs their students to give up craving sensual pleasure and that's it and they focus solely on sensual pleasure they don't focus on well there are two things specifically that they don't focus on they don't talk to their students about understanding uh, form or feeling Just, just sensual pleasure. Full understanding of sensual pleasures. A second type of teacher prescribes the understanding of sensual pleasures and form, but not feeling. And a third type of teacher prescribes full understanding of sensual pleasure, form, and feeling. When I first read this, I had been looking for I can't remember how it happened now, but I've been looking for something Something to do with sensual pleasures Some way of dealing with sensual pleasures And why I really like this teaching is because Just this little kernel of teaching that we find Buried in the Anguttara Nikaya It um, well, validated something that I had sort of put together on my own in the Buddhist teaching I've talked about this before um, is that when you're dealing with sensual pleasures you can't just focus on sensual pleasures right? if that's all then you're just like trying to stem the tide right? you're not actually turning off the flow Sensual pleasures come from somewhere They come from form and they come from feeling And so there are I mean there's much more to the Buddhist teaching But this really highlights something important And it puts together something very practical for us and of course reminds us that our practice has to be more more comprehensive than simply focusing on the problem. There are teachings that tell you, oh, sensual pleasures, this is the problem. I mean, the, re the problem is suffering, right? And so it is sophisticated to be able to say sensual pleasures are the problem. That in and of itself is a sophistication because an ordinary person doesn't think that. They think... Suffering, sensual pleasure Sensual pleasure is good, suffering is bad How do we just get what we want all the time? How do we have these sensual pleasures Without all the frustration and uh, dis disappointment and so on The anger and the conflict The Buddha pointed out it's all The reason we fight and go to war is, is all because of sensual pleasure We didn't want for anything If we didn't 
have these desires never fight it causes friends to fight friends will hurt and kill each other and manipulate each other for sensual pleasure due to sensual pleasure in order to get what they want they will um, neglect to care for each other to help each other the reason we, we don't just solve all the world's problems is because we're too busy trying to get what we want. If we really cared about the world, no, if we just didn't have all these desires, we'd have so much more time to, well, the world would just fix itself, really. So it's sophisticated to see that. It's important to see that. And in the time of the Buddha, it was a big thing. The Buddha wasn't the only one to talk about that. The Buddha, when he went forth, that was the big thing. How do we get rid of sensual pleasures? How do we free ourselves from the bondage of sensuality? Even today, it's uh, something that meditators often uh, concern themselves with, often ask about, you know, how do I deal with this? And so it, it came to me that you have to you have to be able to separate. You can't talk about craving without talking about what it is that you're craving. And then you realize there are two things there. There's the form, the, the physical thing that you're craving. And then there's the craving of it. And so that's good. If you, if you study the thing that you're craving, well, then, then you, you've, you've got another piece of the puzzle. And so someone who focuses on those two is actually more sophisticated because they understand that there's a problem with the thing that you're you're clinging to as well. Right? Because if the things that we cling clung to were actually satisfying, there would be no problem. What's wrong with sensuality? Why does sensuality cause stress and suffering? Well, it turns out to be really because of the nature of the physical world. And so if we study that, if we try to understand that, it's much better to much better than just focusing on the, the desire. But even just focusing on those two, anyone who talks about just those two, you know, the things that you desire and the the craving for them, still clear that, that they don't understand and that they themselves haven't understood what's really going on because there's actually three things the third is the feelings in order to crave for something it has to make you happy or at least calm it has to give you a feeling that, that is is uh, satisfying or enjoyable pleasurable I think it could be argued there's even more that we have to focus on and so this is sort of an entrance to that the idea that even the idea that there there the idea that there are many many aspects to experience and or the overarching idea that we have to be aware of what is here and now rather than be aware of the problem just the problem 
Right? Like if craving is our problem, we can't just focus on the craving. We have to focus on the whole bigger picture. We have to focus on whatever reality arises here and now. And that changes from moment to moment. By focusing on what's here and now, every moment we get the we get a we get the bigger picture. We understand all aspects of it. Another thing might be the thoughts. What you think about the craving, you think, oh, this this thing that I like is so great. Or maybe you worry about it, or you feel guilty about it. Hmm. But these three, when we talk about craving, these three will get you through the craving, will get you to understand addiction, will let you understand any problem really. The, the, and, and so to generalize it, it's the experience, the result of the experience, the, the, you know, the experience of the experience. And then the reaction to that experience. So, or the object of experience, the experience of it, and the reaction. So the object is the, the physical in this case. You see something beautiful, you hear something beautiful, and so on. The, the experience of it is, is the pleasant feeling or the, the peaceful feeling. And the reaction to that is the the liking of it or the disliking even and if you focus on those three and you go back and forth between them if you understand all three of these the Buddha didn't say this specifically but this is what the Buddha taught the Buddha gave a very simple teaching and he pointed out that it's not enough because it seems this other teacher this other uh, ascetic spent the night with the Buddha was, was in one of the first two categories so he, he went and he turned to Mahanama and he said tell him that these are the same the Buddha, sorry, the Buddha asked what do you think Mahanama? are these three teachers the same? Or do they have the same goal? or do they have different goals? and right away Barandu says to him say they have the same goal Mahanama because he didn't want to look like he was inferior to the Buddha. And the Buddha says to Mahanama, say that they're different. And a second time, Buranda says, say they're the same. And the Buddha said, it's kind of a bit of a little tiff. Third time, Buranda says, say the same. And the Buddha says, say that they're different. And Buranda realized the Buddha the Buddha doesn't agree with me and he left and he left for good and never returned and that's all that's all of that teaching so it's not really about teachers at all but it's interesting to think about teachers nonetheless but no this uh, this one is about one is about the teachings and it's about the practice it's really about our meditation how we deal with cravings 
we need to have a comprehensive uh, a practice that catches everything, every aspect of of our patterned behavior. Not just what we experience, but how we feel about it and how we react to it, even what we think about it, how we react to our reactions and so on. So there you go, a little bit of Dhamma for tonight. Thank you all for